Well, glory. Yes, we have much to be thankful for today. We owe much. And I think sometimes we lose sight of just what a heritage we have and what we gather together to worship the Lord each time we gather together. The word of God that we have, uh, the churches that, that we have today that come as a result of something that started many, many, many years ago. And um, so for us today, as we consider where we are and who we are, we have a lot. We have a lot to be thankful for. And, and let me say this. We owe a lot to those who have gone on before us, who have helped chart a path for us, who've charted a way for us. And so you heard this morning the mention of an individual by the name of Martin Luther, uh, who was one of those who helped redirect a path. And, uh, and they, they came after him, and ones after him. And to this day, those today... and. And, and when we consider when we consider all of that and we consider what we hold in our hands the very word of God of which everything that Martin Luther himself wrote down let me tell you where they all came from out of the word of God and so for us you know wouldn't it be great today if we did not have to contend with the tempter Huh? How many of y'all are satisfied with contending with the tempter every day? I'm not, okay? Because I'm going to tell you something. He never quits. He doesn't ever stop. He's continually at work. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. We are going to pick up this morning in verse number six and, and please bear with me uh, today if if I get behind or I get stuck in the, the pages okay um, I've had to go to a new Bible to another one okay let me tell you what happens when you get a new one all the pages stick together okay and somebody said, so what do you do every time you get to a new Bible? Do you go take all the notes you wrote in the previous one and transfer them all to? No, wrong. No. Okay. So they're all blank pages. Well, they have the word of God on them. Okay. But there are no notes on them. And uh, so this morning, just bear with me as we go through all of this together. The tempter. There are three things that I want to talk with you about this morning or, or preach and share with you from this passage of Scripture. We're actually going to be looking at verse 6 through verse 12, another portion of the text. Uh, as we go through this portion of the text, there's three things in particular that I want to share with you. Number one, uh, the very first thing that I want us to understand is God is the restrainer. Uh, number two, God is the controller. And number three, we are going to find in the text that God will bring about judgment. So as we look at verse 6 through verse number 10, 
I want you to notice is Paul writes. And Paul is going to deal with the subject. How many of y'all have ever heard of false Christs or antichrists or any of those? Okay. Ultimately, the Antichrist will come on to the scene one day, all under the activity that we saw in verse 9 of Second Thessalonians chapter number 2. In verse number 9, where we see this is all in accord with the activity of who? Of Satan. Now, Satan. Let's talk about him for just a moment. Satan and angels cast out of heaven down to the domain of the earth where he has been busy ever since matter of fact when you go back to genesis chapter 3 and you look at verse 15 we know that satan was going to be busy from genesis chapter 3 all the way through let's only ask you a question would you agree today that satan has been busy let me ask you another question. Let me put it to you this way. Do you think he's more busy today than he has been? Huh? He's always, he's always been busy. And he's always been trying to bring a halt and a stop to the things of God. He's in opposition to him. That's who he is. He's the enemy of God himself. But even in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, just to kind of refresh your thoughts just a little bit, if you go back through there or back to Genesis 3 and look at verse 15, this is after Adam and Eve, of course, and the sin in the garden. Genesis chapter 3, and I want you to notice verse 15. And I want you to notice what God says. He said, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed and he will bruise you on the head and you will bruise him on the heel at Calvary was there a showdown at Calvary? there was Did Satan think that at Calvary that Things had finally come to a close. Yeah. But it didn't. And let me say this. As Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica for the things that they're dealing with, and one of the things that he's going to add to their concern about the day of the Lord already coming was this man of lawlessness. And Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, and he said, let me just kind of add this to your list that no, the day of the Lord has not come for reasons that Paul had already discussed and now he comes and he's going to deal with this one in verse 6 down through verse number 12 it's the man of lawlessness and so I want to start in verse 6 and I want us just to read down through verse 10 and notice what Paul writes he said, and you know what restrains him now so that in his time he will be revealed for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. And let me say something to you right. It's not something new. This is not something that, that this thought has just occurred. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains 
will do so until he is taken out of the way. Then that lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is, the one who's coming, and I want you to notice this next phrase, is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders. This man of lawlessness, where does he get his power and false signs and wonders from? None other than Satan himself. That's where it comes from. That's where his power comes from and will come from. Verse 10, And with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. The question comes to this. Why is Satan unable to reveal the, this, this man of lawlessness sooner? I mean, why is he? Why is he unable? Can you hear me? We on? Is it? Somebody grab me a battery. Put me on the, just put me on the pulpit. Okay. I was noticing I'm hearing things back here. Okay. Are y'all here? Wow. That's on the pulpit. Okay. Let me turn this other one off. Woo. See, I told you Satan never quits. Okay. And let me tell you something. He knew that I was headed here today. And guess what? But that's okay. Because you know something? I don't have to have a microphone. Okay. <laughs> Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Let me read those again, okay? Just so they'll kind of seek into you. And you know what restrains him now, so that in his time he will be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. Then that lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay with his breath of his mouth. And bring to an end by the appearance of his coming, that is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders, and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. So here's the question. So why is Satan unable? Why is he unable to reveal this man of lawlessness sooner? I will tell you why. Because God is restraining the forces of evil in the world today. There's a, there's a certain restrainer. Boy, I tell you what, this is horrible. Did you know that? You're going to have to give me just a second here. All right? Bear with me. We'll get back to it. This is bad. You know what I'm getting ready to do? Testing one, two, three. Is that better? Huh? How about now? Is that good? <laughs> Why don't we do this? I want everybody to stand up to your feet.
And here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. Amen? So let's bow our heads together and pray. Father, we thank you for this day. And Father, we thank you for just who you are. And Father, I pray that through this morning, as we consider the work of the evil one, Father, who is at work constantly, Father, to absolutely do everything he can to stop and to prevent the witness of Jesus Christ. Father, understanding and realizing that that he will use whatever means. And Father, also understanding today that his power is limited by you. So Father, we pray for this, this service this morning and everyone who's in this building. Father, I pray that as we examine your word this morning and in Paul's letter to the church at Thessalonica, warning them about this man of lawlessness. Father, we would understand and realize that there are many false Christs today. Many of them. And Father, even though we need to be on guard and we need to be diligent about who we are and how we walk each day. Father, may we rest assured and understand that Satan does absolutely nothing unless it's allowed by you because you're sovereign. You are the restrainer. You're the controller. And Father, one day you will bring it all into judgment. And So Father, we ask that you would bless this time together this morning as we study your word together. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You can be seated. Let's go back to 2 Thessalonians. So first of all, one of the things that I want to share with you this morning is God is the restrainer through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, but it is God who controls all of it. He is the controller And we're going to see that in this passage as well. Satan cannot do whatever he wants to do. And I know there are many people who think that Satan is on the same plane that God is when it comes to... There are those who think that Satan is omniscient, that he's omnipresent, that he's omnipotent, and all of those attributes that are attributed to God. Well, let me share something with you this morning. It's not. And I think sometimes we lose sight of the fact that that we miss out. Satan is not deities he created being he's an angel created and so therefore how in the world can he accomplish all that he does well i will say this to you he has legions of those that help him and so when we consider today who we are and we consider as paul is writing to the church at thessalonica He lets them know that Satan cannot do just whatever he wants to do. 
whenever he pleases because God can make watch this have you ever thought about this did you know that God can make even the wrath of man praise him huh have you ever considered that well let's look at it turn with me to Psalm chapter 76 and verse 10 Psalm chapter 76 and verse 10 And for the context of it all, we'll start in verse 8. But I want you to notice what it says. You caused judgment to be heard from heaven. The earth feared and was still. When God arose to judgment to save all the humble of the earth. For the wrath of man shall praise you. That's an amazing statement. For the wrath of man shall praise you. With a remnant of wrath, you will gird yourself. You know, even, even, even the wrath of man will praise him. If you, don't, if you don't get anything else out of this this morning, here's, here's, here's what I hope you draw from all of this. Please listen to me. One of the things that Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica, wanting them to understand, God is in control of all of this. You've not missed anything yet. The day of the Lord has not come. It's all under the controlling hand of God. It will occur as God dictates that it will occur, including and up to the man of lawlessness. God is the restrainer. God is the one who restrains. God is the one who is holding right now. Could you imagine if God absolutely was taken out of the picture and Satan was given absolute free reign in everything on the face of the earth with absolutely no control or restraint I mean I can't imagine how things could get much worse in the world that we live in today but I, I will tell you this just when you think you've seen the worst of it something else comes along but that's the day in the culture that we live in. But God is the one who's restraining. God is the one who is orchestrating everything that is going to occur. We use a term called eschatology, the study of last things. And as we consider the doctrine of eschatology, and as we move through, please listen to me this morning. And I, and I know, okay, that is, that is an area that is, that has gained a lot of attention today. The study or the doctrine of eschatology or of last things, don't ever think for a moment that this is just all happening by itself, that there is no one that is kind of overseeing all of it taking place. God is in control of all of it. That's what Paul wants the church at Thessalonica to understand. You've not missed anything yet. And I will tell you right now, if all of this has already occurred, then you and I are in trouble today. Because I will tell you this, we've missed something along the way. Jesus Christ has not yet returned. He is returning. He is coming. So God is the restrainer right now on what is allowed to take place. And you say... Well, how do we know that for sure? Well, if you've been here on Wednesday nights in the Bible study, that we've been through the book of Job. 
And one of the things that you see in the book of Job is the conversation that God had with Satan himself. He allowed Satan so much with Job and nothing more. He allowed Satan to take everything that Job had and to afflict Job from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. But God told Satan, but you can't kill him. God allowed Satan to come against his servant Job. And matter of fact, he said, Is, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him. And you have 37 chapters in the book of Job. For, well, actually from chapter 3 through chapter 37 where you absolutely, do you hear nothing from God? And neither does Job. And then all of a sudden, Job comes on the scene. And when, Job com- or when God comes on the scene to Job, here's what we find. We find all along, God knew exactly where Job was through the whole entire process. And at the end of the day, here's what God does with Job. He said, Job, let me just ask you a series of questions. And are you ready for this? Approximately 70 questions that God asked to Job from chapter 38 to chapter 42. 70. And what type of questions were they? Well... Let me just share a few of them with you. So, Job, where were you when this mountain was formed? Job, where were you when this? And Job, where were you when this? And Job, where were you? He's trying to get Job's attention. And I think what we need to, to, to not neglect in our own lives, and I've asked this question before, and I think one of the problems that we have in our life as a Christian today, and we, we kind of stumble around so much, is because do we have a proper view of who God is? Do we? He is the restrainer. He is the controller. God is sovereign in all that he does. And so as he tries to encourage the church at Thessalonica to get them to understand, you've not missed it. Let me say this to you this morning. You've not missed it. But God is also the controller. You see, God controls the timing and the restraint. Not only does He control the restraint, but He controls the timing as well. Holding back the coming of the lawless one until the proper moment. This man of lawlessness will be revealed. He'll come on the scene. I get asked this all the time. Brother Robert, do you think the Antichrist is alive today? I don't know. Do you think he's coming on the scene soon? I don't know. Are we moving towards the last days? We are. But here's one one of the things you need to understand. Paul, writing to the church at Thessalonica, wrote about the coming of the day of the Lord. Even Peter himself was questioned about this coming day of the Lord because everything's just continuing to go along like it always has. But don't always, listen, don't lose sight of this either. Jesus himself, writing in Matthew chapter 24, said, it's going to be like the coming of the Son of Man in the days of Noah. Are we there yet? I don't know. I can't answer that question. Let me tell you why. Because God is the controller. God is the one who sets the time. You see, the appearance of the lawless one is entirely in keeping with God's sovereignty. And I think sometimes we get all hung up on that word, the sovereignty of God. 
My dear friend, do you understand? If you, have a, if you have a proper view of who God is, you will understand that He is absolutely sovereign. So the restraining, the controlling, all of those aspects of who God is, is bound up in His sovereignty for who He is. He is God and God alone. You know, Paul writes as we look at these verses concerning the rise of a particular figure who will work through deception to the opposition of God. When you look at verse 7, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. Then that lawless one will be revealed. Then he'll be revealed. Whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and will bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. Let me tell you, let me say something else to you this morning. He's not going to win out. He's coming. But he's not going to win out. He is not, he is not going to have the victory. But he also admits, one of the things that, that, that we find here, he also admits that the same forces of deception and lawlessness are already at work in our society today. They're already present. You say, well, Brother Art, how are they already present? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, verse 5 and verse 6. Jesus has had a conversation. He's having a conversation with his disciples. Sitting on the Mount of Olives, they ask him some very specific questions. Is how in the world are we going to know the timing of this? All right? Well, I'll tell you what. Look at what Jesus says in chapter 24, verse 5 and verse 6. He said, for many will come in my name. You see that? Many will come in my name. Guess what they're going to say? Saying, I am the Christ. You ought to underline the next phrase. And we'll do what? And we'll mislead many. And we'll mislead many. Now look at verse 6. You will be hearing of wars and, and rumors of wars. See that you're not frightened. For those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. I'll ask you a question today. Are things difficult in the world that we live in? They are. Let me ask you a question. How many of you in here today, you witness or see the results of the working of Satan himself today? Do you see it? But I want you to notice something that Jesus said in verse 6. He said, see that you're not frightened. You see, as believers, okay, let, let me ask you a question. I, I, I want to ask you a simple question. I, I want to get you to think today. Let me ask you a question. So where's your confidence at today? Where, where's your confidence at? Who's your, who's your confidence in? I mean, we, we, we sang about it this morning, all morning. So where, where, is our, where is our confidence? Who is our confidence in? I hope it's in Christ. 
Hope it's in God who is the restrainer, who is the controller, and ultimately going to bring judgment one day to the end. I mean, that's, that's, that's who he is. Look at verse 23 of Matthew 24. And notice what Jesus says. He said, Then if anyone says to you, Behold, here is the Christ, or there he is. Notice what Jesus says. Do not believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders. So as to do what? To mislead, if possible, even the elect. Behold, look at verse 25. I've told you what in advance. So do we have false Christ here today? We do. Do we have antichrist here today? We do. Well, let's fast forward a little bit. Let's go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter number 2. First John chapter 2, and I want you to notice... Verse 18. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Notice as John writes, Children, it is the last hour. And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. For this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it would be shown that they all are not of us. So are they here? Yeah. Do we deal with them today? Yes. We do. So the Thessalonians that Paul is writing this letter to, as well as all believers today that are sitting in the pews of our churches have no need to worry about the approaching time of the lawlessness or of the man of lawlessness or the time of lawlessness we listen we don't have to be frightened for that day so so what should it do what what should it do for us as believers today as we see the lawless one or the antichrist the antichrist, the false Christ, more at work today, guess what it ought to do to us? It ought to motivate us to do what? To work harder. See, as we come to the end, as we find ourselves approaching the end, maybe of our life, maybe the last days, what should it, what it, what should it cause us to do? It should cause us to press in even more. It should cause us to be even more diligent. It, could, it should cause us to be even more diligent and on guard of where we find ourselves today. Well, you come back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11 and verse 12. So not only is God the restrainer, not only is God the controller, but one of the other things that we find is judgment is coming. 
for Satan? Yeah, it is. <clears throat> have, you ever read, have you ever read the back of the book? Have you ever read the back of the book to see what's coming? Well, let's go to Revelation. Chapter number 20. Revelation chapter 20. And let me show you the what's coming. And see, and here's, here's the thing. We know what's coming. And so there's no, re there's no reason for us to be frightened. Because as you look at Revelation chapter 20, beginning in verse number 1, and then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him, so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed. And after these things, he must be released for a short time. And then when you go over to verse number 11. And then I saw a great white throne. And that great white throne, all of those who are lost will one day stand at the great white throne judgment of God. But I want you to back up to verse 7. We oftentimes go straight on to verse 11, but I want you to back up to verse 7. So when the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison, and he will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for the war. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore, and they came up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city and fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are also. And they will be tormented, uh, tormented night and day forever and what? Forever. All right, let me bring all this to a close. When you look, go back to Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 11 and verse 12. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false in order that they may all be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. You see, the phrase for this reason connects the unbeliever's rejection of the truth in verse 10. The ultimate consequences of rejecting the gospel. God is the judge. The two he is. God's act of sending a delusion to those who are perishing is the result. I want you to watch this. It's, their, it's, the, it's, it's, it's the result of their choice of rejecting the truth of the gospel. And it was the rejection of the truth that was contained in the gospel. So, as lawlessness increases... Is the Antichrist coming? The final Antichrist? He is. Is the final Antichrist going to raise himself up? He is. But are you ready for this? God's still in control of it all. And for believers, 
There's no need for us to be frightened. As lawlessness increases in the world and further persecution comes, it is our confidence in Christ that allows the church to stand firm. Amen? All right. We know he's at work, and we know Satan is busy. So let me ask you a question. And let me say this this morning. He's busy. And he is he is busy at work. Amen. When we think about it. And so here's what I'm going to ask brother Red to come. But here's what I want us to do this morning. We're not going to sing any any words. I'm going to have Brother Red come and lead the music portion. Okay, We're not going to sing any words this morning, but here's what I want you to do. Right where you are, in the pew where you are, or to this altar, up to these pews, wherever they are, I'm going to ask you to do something today. If we, as believers, understand and realize that our, our faith, our hope, all lies within him, and that Satan is active, and Satan is busy, Satan will do all he can to destroy this man of lawlessness that Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica, there's one coming unlike any we've ever seen. But what are we doing today? Here's what I want us to do as a church. Brother Red's going to lead the music portion here in just a moment, okay? But I want us as a church today to spend some time praying. Praying for what? Praying for us as 